podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And welcome again. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Not too bad. I'm making it over here. Oh, I got my car back. Okay. Mm Because you did tell me all about the Sam's Club adventure. So I was hoping you had gotten your car back. That was the second part. I went to Sam's Club. I stayed there for, I thought it was two hours. (laughs) No, it was an hour and a half. I was going to say, it didn't seem like two hours, but I wasn't mathing it. I think I was adding in the fact that I got there before they opened. So I was like, well, Mm -hmm. let's just, there's a Dollar Tree over here. Let's go to the Dollar Tree. And I got Annie a bunny gnome stuffed animal. Which is the video I sent you of her shaking it in her mouth like a dog. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. She was a fan of the bunny gnome. Oh, she loved it. That's how she plays. Because we have dogs. And they're raising my child, apparently. Oh. Raised with wolves, but raised with buck? Yeah, it's worse. (laughs) Which is kind of funny, considering I named him after... Now I can't think of the book. Into the Wild? Something like that. I think that's I think it. So. Into, the, Into the Wild? Pretty sure that's... That book, you know, with the, the dog. The book with the dog and the thing and the buck and the, the dog named Buck? Yeah, that, that's yeah, the one. That one. Okay, I knew you probably read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. I'm sorry, I'm eating a Reese's because I'm hungry. I also made the stupid decision to pop my vitamins on an empty stomach, so... Getting a little nauseous? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. That's fine. That's fine. So I'm just going <laughs> to shove some Reese's in my mouth. We'll be fine. I'm still coughing like crazy because allergies, apparently. The nose? The nose is good. Like, I got some, almost said Zoloft. <laughs> I wish. I got some, um, hello? Nasal spray. Okay. Zyrtec? Zoloft? Zyrtec? I don't know anymore. Zoloft is a, that's an antidepressant medicine, right? I think so. Zyrtec is um is allergies. I don't know. I got a nasal spray. Is it I think it's green? Yeah, that's the one. It's like a little glass bottle with a green cap. Okay, I should or or maybe it's Flonase. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. See? Yeah. We're we'll get there. Look, Annie woke me up at three AM last night and then she continued to play and have a party until like it was almost four. Which then I couldn't get back to sleep. So it's been, um, I'm here, in in physical form. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, do you want to hear about my day? <laughs> Absolutely. So I told you last night, Cody and I were going to go. First of all, this weekend has been the most social I've been in months. <laughs> um, that sounds exhausting. I'm so exhausted. Let's be <laughs> honest. I am so exhausted. So. I went to one of my coworkers for game night on Friday night mm-hmm. and we played, I don't even know. What do you mean? And cards against humanity, you know, both great games, 10 out of 10. 10. Yes. 10 out of 10. I switched to cards against humanity because she's like these cards for what do you mean are not like inappropriate enough. So I was like, okay. <laughs> she sounds like a blast. Oh, she's a blast. So uh, there were a couple of my coworkers there. So we did that. And then last night, so. Cody's pissed because he's like, you're keeping me out late every night this weekend. And I didn't mean to. Like, Friday night, I knew that would happen. But then last night, Cody and I decided to go see John Wick 4. Mm -hmm. 
great movie. We love John Wick, so I don't care what anyone says. It was I thought it was a great movie. I liked how it ended. But we went and saw that, but it was like a 7.30, 7.40 showing, assuming it started at 8. We didn't even okay. get home until 11. And we're only 10 minutes away from the theater. That's a long movie. It was so long. But also, Cody, calm down. You have your whole life ahead of you to be a grandpa. He's working on it now. You should have just, like, slipped him some no-dos in his popcorn or something. All I know is I was pretty grumpy, too. I was so tired. I was. <laughs> we got home, and I was like, I'm going to bed. Good night. Like, Don't touch me. Well, then Maisie kept getting into shit in the other room, so I kept getting up and being like, what the hell are you doing? Do they not get locked in the, in the room with you? Uh-uh. Our door is open. I don't trust my dogs. If we don't leave our door open, then we're going to have a cat reach their little paw under the door and just ah. shake it like crazy. So, See, we keep the dogs with us, so the cat does not want to be anywhere near our room. She sleeps in Annie's room. Yeah, no. The cats are like, let us in. <laughs> but that's fine. But I do have something I wanted to show you, so you could just have so much fun. Um, I got my, my IVF medicine for the month. Okay. What the hell is that? This is, this isn't even all of it. There's one in my fridge because it had to be refrigerated. That needs a filing cabinet. This is its filing basket. There, I, okay. Now I I know why you had to get a basket. You honestly should have got a bucket. Yeah. So like, there's a ton of them where it's just like the, the syringe, the injections and stuff. Mm -hmm. But like, do you see this? How can I not? It's half the screen. It's It can be the full screen. It's enormous. It, there's so many medications, which I expected, but I also am a little underwhelmed with how many meds are here with based off of how much I paid for them. Like, not like there should have been more. What pharmacy did you buy that from? Can you tell me without triangulating? Uh, yeah, it is called Fertility Pharmacy of America. How did they give you that? Was it in a bag? Was it in a suitcase? A duffel bag? A large box? Gotcha. That makes sense. Yes. So I know you guys can't see me. I just lifted the box that they came in. And this is styrofoam so that it could have stayed cold for the medicine that needed to be refrigerated. It's The, the box is the shape of a 24-pack of toilet paper. Something don't, like that. Don't ask me how I know that. I have a bowel disease. Okay? Y'all know this by now. But for reference, there it is. There's so much. And I was like, this whole box is this like bigger than my face. <laughs> like, what the hell is it? Like, I know it's more than one dose in these boxes, but that is bigger than my face. So I don't start injections until next weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, Easter Sunday. Got- Lucky you. Well, no, the day before. <laughs> Um, so I gotta poke myself I'm but it's sorry. fine I've got my meds I've got an appointment on Wednesday and then we just hope for the best <laughs> I'm going to keep my fingers, toes, and eyes crossed Yeah. and then I had a blonde moment today Oh. because they, they had me start on birth control for the first part of the IVF process for the suppression and I was counting the pills 
versus how many days. And I was like, oh my God, I missed a day of the birth control. How the hell did this happen? No, I just kept counting wrong. I just can't count. That's all it comes down to. They didn't give you like the little, what, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday stickers? No, they did, but they're like, I have the blister package, but I'm looking at it. And I also, I put them in my, my little medicine organizer so that I would actually not forget to take them. I just can't count because I sat there like counting on my fingers thinking for some reason in my head, I was like, I'm missing one somewhere. I'm just, no, I'm fine. I just struggle bus, but it's fine. Well, that's easy to do when you're looking at a freaking bus of medicine. There's so much medicine. There's also a sharps container sitting around here somewhere where it's at at this moment. I have no clue, but it's somewhere. Will it fit all these meds and needles and things in it? Probably not. I'll probably have to get it emptied and get a new one. And that's fine. I'm going to accept my fate. Why does one empty a personal sharps container? Uh, The IVF doctor has the ability to replace our sharps container. Oh, that's awesome. Because I know you said you would have to give yourself shots. That did not even occur to me. Yeah, I'm not just throwing those in the garbage. (laughs) I, I wouldn't recommend it. At the very least, put it in like a mayonnaise bottle or something no i sharps contain and they sent me so the fertility pharmacy of america sent me the um the sharps container i was gonna ask them to send me two and i just forgot so here we are well that's good at least that they they come they really thought this out oh no i mean like some of this is like a literal kit like this one is this baggie is for the Menipure. And it just has the syringes, the needles, and the alcohol prep. Like, this isn't even the meds. This is just the kit to get it started. Um, This is the actual meds. Oh. Yeah, that's um, quite a large box. Well, there's... It it looks larger than it is. It's not. Because there's two right here, another box right here, and another one right here. Boy, when you say kit, you weren't kidding. Nope. (laughs) Whole ass kit. And then I was bitter because one of the medicines, which I knew, I don't even know why I got my hopes up because it was stupid of me, right? But one of the medicines came in like a a pill bottle, like your typical pill bottle. And I was like, sweet, one less injection. And I look at it and it's just a fucking vial of medicine. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. That's dirty. I know, right? I was like, this is bullshit. Why did they have to, I guess, maybe to protect it? I don't know, but all of these could be vials right in here. So I don't know. I have no clue. I just know I'm upset that they they played me like that. (laughs) Anyways, but yes, that's where we're at. We have medicine and lots of it. So that's that's all I got for you. That's my only update. All right. Well, that's your update from me. So (laughs) let's go ahead. So our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, those are all up and going. Twitter is Hell on Heels pod because they cut me off. Twitter is, not Instagram. So if you listened to last episode, I fucked it up. It's fine. <laughs> Twitter. Instagram and Facebook are both Hell on Heels podcast. You can join our Discord. You can go to um, either our Twitter link tree, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find the invite for Discord there. Or you can email us, podcast at gmail.com. If you want to throw out words of suggestion, have issues getting Discord or anything like that, um, you can email us there. And then our Patreon's up and going. So if you want to join and be a patron, um, we have different levels of support. 
All levels of support, though, do have early access to all of the episodes, so you can join there. And then our link tree, if you need access to that. I know this is hectic today. I don't know what's happening with my head. Um, link tree. You can also find us on Linktree by searching Helen Hills Podcast Linktree, and that should come right up for you. It is also linked on all the things as well. And then, are you ready for a story? I'm so ready. I was looking through the pictures, and I don't recognize any of them. Oh, good. Because one of them's famous. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay, cool. Uh, (laughs) Well, I lost my notes. No, no. Not good. Oh, fine. I found them. Have you ever heard of Andrew Cunanan? I cannot say that. I The Cunanan sounds familiar, but I think I'm just thinking like Cooning, like from Cooning Cottage. Okay. Well, that, we're going to talk about him today. So Andrew Philip Cunanan, and I hope I'm saying that right. It's C-U-N-A-N-A-N. You are Kunanan. absolutely saying that right. Even if it's wrong, it's right because it's awesome. I feel like that's how it was said in the documentaries I watched, too. It was Cunanan. Some might have said, like, Cunanan, but I, I thought Cunanan sounded a little better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyways. It's so he, podcast. Yes. We're here. Let <laughs> us have our own hell, okay? Thank you. <laughs> so he was born on August 31st, 1969. He was born in National City, California. And at the time of his birth, his father, Modesto Pete, Dungao Kunanan was serving in the Navy in the Vietnam Vietnam War. Um, that left his mother, Marianne, with four kids on her own, including Andrew. So Andrew and his three older siblings. Oh, God bless that woman. From what I could find, she wasn't alone very long. Um, Andrew's father, after he left the Navy, he would begin working as a stockbroker in the same area. They're not moving. They're still in California. So they're not doing too bad for themselves. Like, middle-class family, nothing too crazy. Um, Andrew, he would start his, you know, his later school years at uh, Bonita Vista Middle School. And from what I could find, that was just like your average public school. Like he started middle school in there. Okay. But in 1981, his parents would enroll him in the Bishop School. And the Bishop School was like this prestigious school and it's an independent school. And it's a college preparatory school. So, like, it's it's not an easy school to get into. The school was loaded, located in San Diego. According to Google Maps, that's about 10 minutes away from National City, so not far from when, where they lived. And from what I could find, of all his siblings, he was the only one to attend this very prestigious school. So, was it because he was the baby? Or well, what kind of talk- school? No, he was actually very smart. So he actually, from a very young age, some sources said that at like a third grade level, he had an IQ of 147. Oh, I feel like that's higher than mine now. Yeah. So like he was a very smart kid. Okay. And at the Bishop School, I mean, Andrew, he meets his lifelong best friend, Elizabeth uh, Cote. And... I mean, he excelled when he first started. Like, his classmates described him as very social. He was super smart. Like I said, he had a really high IQ of 147. People claim that he had memorized the encyclopedia at the age of 10, which is, I mean, I'm way older than 10, and I'm not memorizing any encyclopedia. That boy just completely skipped hoop and stick. For sure. He did not. He's like, hoop and stick? No, I'm going to be reading the encyclopedia. 
Bye. Yeah. If you need me, I'm doing the cues today. Yes, exactly. Some reports even stated that but by the time he was around 2021, he was actually fluent in seven different languages. I'm not even fluent in one. Yeah, I'm not even fluent in my native tongue. Exactly. So, you know, okay, that's not true. We're fluent. We're just fluent in our own way. Yeah. But I mean, like this kid is just super, super smart, right? In his teenage years, he would begin to earn a reputation as a prolific liar. He wouldn't make up tales about his family. Reportedly, his mother was suffering with chronic, chronic depression from abuse. From what I could find, it was verbal abuse, but some sources said it was, like, physical. But most sources, most trusted sources said it was verbal abuse from his father, Modesto. And she was actually suffering or he was telling people she was suffering she was actually suffering so she was actually suffering during this time so he would make up these tales about his family to portray this like perfect family you know that's sad i mean he's making up these lies about his personal life he would tell his classmates that his family was outlandishly wealthy and part of this very well could have come back to he was attending a very prestigious school and most of these people were very wealthy and he wanted to fit in. Dang, that's really, yeah, yeah, that's really, really sad. And from what I could find, he was just very adaptable. He was able to like change his appearance to match what he considered attractive, like just real quickly. Um, he was a fashionista as far as I'm concerned. Like that's what I think of uh, like you're going to just change how you look to to match the trends cool fashionista um some sources say he also could change how like internally like or how like he acted so mm-hmm. kind of definitely different this is getting a little um <clears throat> i feeling a little red flaggy the cam the, the chameleon the the intelligence i'm starting you're starting to scare me here i don't know what you want me to say and i do have two pictures of him like he's not a bad looking kid right like He's got a great smile, like, in the, really in the second picture. Yeah, that's the kind of smile that, like, I feel like people would just gravitate towards him it's because a, of that smile. It's like a Ted Bundy. Where everyone gravitated towards Ted Bundy. That is a horrible yet extremely accurate description, yes. Yes. Okay, perfect. Glad I nailed that one on the head. Yeah, you did. In his <laughs> high school years, Andrew would also begin to identify as gay. He's he's a gay man. He's out. He's proud. Now, he's not out necessarily to his parents, but to, like, his friends and mm-hmm. all of that. He's out. And he would also begin spending some time with uh, wealthy older men, often getting money, doing favors. Uh, he had sugar daddies. So let's just call mm-hmm. it what it is. They were sugar daddies for him. Hell, get it. He was get handsome. It. He was... Um... I was going to say he was attractive, but that's redundant. So Yeah. Aside from the fact that he could have been underage at the time, I did not mm-hmm. get a lot of clarity on when he started. It just said it was around high school. Um, I want to say he was probably around 16, 17, 18 right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so maybe not, a, not the best. when you're 18. Please. Yeah. And I mean, overall, Andrew's life, from what I can see, like he wasn't ever hurt. He had a decent life. And he might have been a little flamboyant, but I mean, his classmates loved him. They even vo- voted him least likely to be forgotten. Oh, damn. That's a good one. 
Yeah. So, I mean, decent home life. His father might have been somewhat strict, but never violent. And there are reports that actually stated his parents would encourage him, telling him things like he is more special and more deserving than others. Or that one day he would be rich and famous. Like, they're encouraging him. But they still didn't know his sexuality. No. Okay. Some reports stated that his parents just were very, like, submissive to him. There are claims that his parents bought him a sport ca- sports car, gave him the master bedroom so that he could have his own room, his own bathroom. Basically, he had the run of the house. How accurate that is, I'm not 100% sure. There are just those reports that do do claim he was very doted on. It's very Regina George. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. When he graduated in 1987, he would enroll at the University of California, San Diego. And he would begin majoring in American history. Like, he's already a smart guy. Like, you know, he's doing well for himself. Should be easy. Yeah. Well, in 1988, the Kuninen family would have a shakeup. And that was when Andrew's father, Modesto, would abandon the family. What a piece of crap. I'm not arguing with you there. Andrew, he was about 19 at this time. His flop... His father fled to the Philippines to evade arrest for embezzlement. Supposedly, it was around $100,000 is what he was being investigated for, or the amount. And reportedly, Modesto took all of the money. He left. He even sold the family's home, leaving his wife and kids SOL. What a piece of... So not only did he abuse his wife, he... allegedly abused his wife not only did he allegedly abuse his wife but he also stole a bunch of money from people business whoever he stole a bunch of money sold his family's house out from under them and then just booked it that is how i understood the reports he was like i'm going back to the philippines buy houses and cars anymore what a piece of crap Yep, and that definitely left his wife and family in a very tough situation. And Andrew seems at this point to really have this fixation on social status, right? He's seeing wealthy men. He's got all these sugar daddies. He's projecting this lifestyle of this rich, uh, rich little kid, you know, whatever it is, not little kid, rich young adult. Like, he's projecting all of this. So that was a pretty big shakeup for the family. In 1988 as well, Andrew would begin to frequent gay bars and restaurants. Now, all the while, Andrew still had not come out to his mother. There were other family members that reportedly knew he was gay. They just never really acknowledged it. They're like, sure, he's gay, but we're not going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And his mother, she was very religious. She was a very religious woman, and she didn't agree with his lifestyle. And so when she kind of learns about his sexual orientation, they begin to butt heads and they start having disagreements. And during one of these disagreements, reportedly, Andrew would throw his mother against a wall and he had thrown her with enough force to actually dislocate her shoulder. Uh, okay. I don't know what his mother looks like. I don't know if she's larger, smaller build, frail. I don't know. But to dislocate someone's shoulder... I mean, that still takes, yeah, I was going to say that's still a lot of force. So. I do have to say, like, I'm sure that's a heated conversation. I don't know. But also, like, this has been a real shit year. Tensions are tense. High. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's still not okay, though. That's your mom, bro. Like, that's not okay to do to anybody. I'm not arguing. Um, some people are like, well, he saw his dad do this. Like, he learned that. Others are like, no, he was just a dick. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going off of what reports I have. In 1989, so the following year, Andrew would actually drop out of UC San Diego. He would move in with his bestie Liz and her boyfriend Phil Merrill. And the trio, they live in the Castro District in San Francisco. Now, some sources say at this time this was the center of gay culture. So how I understood that is there's like a lot of gay bars, gay restaurants, things there. So there's a lot of LGBTQ friendly things around. Um, or LGBTQ-centered things. So probably a relatively safe place for him to live in the 80s, I would imagine. Right. Like, I wouldn't see any issue with him living there. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I don't know, but relatively safe, or at least inclusive for him. Yeah. Now, after he moves to San Francisco, Andrew, he does continue to befriend these older wealthy men, and he keeps getting his sugar daddies. and. He would also reportedly begin to create violent pornography. I I don't know what that means. I'm gonna I've got enough of an imagination to understand what it means. I don't want any more details, right? Yeah, we can leave it there. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So he's he's doing his thing. He is an adult. Do whatever he wants. A- according to reports, he enjoyed creating the violent pornography. I don't want to know. Okay. To each their own. You know what? He can have his kinks. That's fine. I just don't want to see him. Now, some describe Andrew as living off of the money of one person to the next. So, like, he gets this sugar daddy, lives off the money, gets a new one, lives off, you know, he just jumps around. That's how he's making making his money. Also, others say that there was some prostitution in there, which I'm assuming is still with the older wealthy men. Okay. I mean, he, this kid... 18, 19, 20 years old, had connections as far as Scottsdale, Arizona. And I feel like in the late 80s, early 90s, that's a pretty widespread connection. Like, it's not the same as today where me and you have never met in person. Yeah, we just hang out at least once a week. Right. But for them, that's very different. They didn't have the internet like we do today. And they didn't have all of these different um, social media and things like that. They like, He was just able to build this this network on his own and it did go as far as Scottsdale, Arizona. And it would go on to go further than that. It's also believed that at this time, Andrew's lifestyle began to include drugs. So opioids, cocaine, marijuana. I mean, he's partying it up. He's living his life, right? He's yeah. He's a young guy in California, young he's, single man in California. He's doing his thing. Okay. He and also it's the eighties. I'm not going to stop him, but he he can do his Mm -hmm. thing. Live your life. Yeah, you do you. He would use several different aliases. He used Andrew De Silva, Lieutenant Commander Andy Cummings, which I'm wondering if that was his porn star name. Please please be his porn star. That is 100% his. Lieutenant Commander Andy Cummings. Andy Cummings. Uh That is absolutely his porn star name. Don't make me Google it. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to make you Google it. I didn't Google it because I didn't even want to know. He also used Drew Cunningham, Kurt Matthew Damaris. Like, he just had all these different aliases that he would create. 
Um, and, you know, with each alias, he had his own backstory, his family, like all of that. And, I mean, I already mentioned, Andrew was a fashionista. Reportedly, he claimed to have met fashion designer Gianni Versace in October of 1990. Now, Versace, from, I, I didn't do a lot of research, but how I understand it is that he was a very wealthy gay man. Like, he was making a name for himself. And from the reports I got, Andrew kind of idolized that. Like, he kind of idolized Versace in that way that he's like, I want to be that wealthy, gay, strong, independent man that people are, you know, they're not walking all over. Like, I want to be that way. So, Andrew claims that he had met Versace in October of 1990. And some reports say that this was at, like, a gay bar and they kind of talked a little bit. Others say that it was, like, it never happened. There's just a lot of different things. Now, Versace and his family deny him ever having met Andrew, but Andrew still maintained that he had met them, met him. In 1995, Andrew would meet and move in with Norman Blockford. And this was a wealthy, gay, older man. And Norman would buy... Andrew cars, he'd give him access to his credit cards, he had like a $2,000 monthly allowance like he was set up, Norman was taking care of yeah. Andrew, right? Sounds like it. Right, and he's also moved in, so Norman's paying his, his housing too So it sounds like at this point, Andrew kind of got what he was wanting and looking for Um, Not necessarily, because he's also looking for that fame like he wants to be you know, he wants that status yeah. with people recognizing him as well. Okay, so we're still missing a crucial piece of the puzzle. Yeah, yep. At least from how I read it and kind of the feeling I got behind it. Now, in 1995, Andrew would also meet David Madsen, who was a Minneapolis architect. And they met at a bar, they hit it off, and they begin a long-distance relationship. They would continue this relationship until 1996 when Madsen would put an end to the relationship. Oh. Found it. <laughs> he would tell, Madsen would tell his friends that he sensed something, quote, shady about Andrew. So and they some, dated for how long? Uh, less than a year. So they did met he, in 95 and then broke up in 96. Did he know that Andrew was living with another guy? I, I assume he knew. Okay. Andrew, on the other hand, he would actually tell his friends that Matson had been the love of his life. Like he was so in love and enamored with David Matson, and it just he was heartbroken. And also in September of 1996, Andrew's relationship with Norman Blockford would end. Some claim that Andrew broke things off, but most articles claim that Norman was the one to end the relationship. And let's remember, Norman had been had been housing and financially supporting Andrew. Mm -hmm. Andrew just lost everything. Again. Mm -hmm. He, Andrew, he would quickly max out all of his credit cards without the financial support of Norman. And, you know, he's, he's starting to struggle. And one of Andrew's close friends, Jeffrey Trot, nope, Jeffrey Trail, would tell his roommate that Andrew had ha had begun selling drugs again. Andrew was known to use at this time as well, and he was known to use and sell meth. So, I mean, there's a lot going on for this kid. 
By April of 1997, close friends of Andrew's reported that Andrew was abusing painkillers and drinking, quote, like there's no tomorrow. So Andrew's just sp- spiraling at this point. He's, he's struggling. Mm-hmm. Later in the month of April in 1997, Andrew would tell his friends he was going to Minneapolis to, quote, take care of some business matters with Jeffrey Trail. Okay, that's, um, that feels foreboding. So by this time, Jeff had already begun to distance himself from Andrew. He had kind of been like, okay, I gotta, we gotta create some distance. But he still did allow Andrew to come visit, expecting him, like, after the visit to return to San Francisco. He was like, goodbye, you know? Now, prior to Andrew visiting, Jeff Trail would tell his sister that he did not want Andrew to come. He's like, I don't want him to come out, but whatever. Trail would go on to also tell friends that he and Andrew had a falling out. He had told his roommate that, quote, I made a lot of enemies this weekend. I've got to get out of here. They're going to kill me. And this, this would have been mid to late April, just about a week before Andrew would head to Minneapolis. Now, on April 24th, 1997, Andrew and several friends would attend a going away party for Andrew. And typically, Andrew would have covered the bill because he's got this luxurious lifestyle, but he's struggling right now. He had actually maxed out all of his credit cards and he had gotten a credit extension so that he could afford this plane ticket ticket to Minneapolis. So So, it, it sounds like he's kind of exhausting everything to get there. He is. He is. He is going to get there. And on April 25th, 1997, Andrew, he arrives in Minneapolis. And he would actually stay with David Madsen, who he had been in a relationship with previously. Who he was in, in love yeah, with, right? That he was, was in love with. So it seemed like they had remained friends to some extent. And also David Madsen was a mutual friend of Jeff Trails as well. And Madsen and Andrew, they go out to dinner at Nye's restaurant that night. They would go visit Gay 90s Club. That's the name of the club, Gay 90s Club. And I mean, overall, it just seemed like they probably had a pretty good time. Like they hung out, whatever. On April 26, 1997, Andrew was supposed to be staying at Trail's apartment while Trail Jeff Trail was out with his boyfriend, John Hackett. And Trail would actually go on to tell his boyfriend, Hackett, that he needed to go back to the apartment. Uh, Kunanen was, oh, sorry, he needed, whoa, what is happening? So Trail would tell Hackett that he needed to go back to the apartment to have a, quote, pretty important conversation with Andrew. So he's like, I've got to go talk to him, blah, blah, blah. But when Trail and Hackett returned to the apartment, Andrew was nowhere found, nor were any of his belongings. So they're like, all right, whatever. So he just booked. Yes. Now, some reports state that on April 26, 1997, Trail and Kunanen had an argument at Trail's apartment earlier in that day. And during that argument, Kunanen stole a gun from Trail's apartment and would return to David Madsen's apartment. Uh-huh. Okay. And so Andrew would call Trail and say, hey, come get your gun. You need to come get this. I took it from your apartment. And so reportedly, that's why Trail is going over to Madsen's house. So Trail would leave his apartment to go see Andrew just after about nine o'clock. He would arrive at Madsen's apartment where... Andrew was, at this time, at about 9.45 p.m. When, when Trail arrived at Madsen's apartment at 9.45 on April 26, 1997, Andrew Kunanen would beat Trail to death with a hammer. Oh, my God. 
Jeffrey Trail was just 28 years old. Andrew Cunanan would do this in front of David Madsen. Now, Jeff's watch had stopped at 9.55 p.m., so it's believed that that's when the attack and the murder happened overall. That's always so eerie when their watches stop. Oh, that's why I told you about it. And a hammer is just like, like you had a gun. Why did you choose something so, so brutal? Oh, we're not even done. Oh my god, okay. Now, after the brutal murder of Jeff, Kunanen would roll Jeff's body into a rug and place him behind the sofa in Madsen's apartment. Now, you might be asking, what about David Madsen? He was there. Mm -hmm. Like, what is his role in this? Now, authorities believe that Madsen would remain alive in the apartment with Andrew Kunanen for two days after the murder of Trail. Like, they're just in this apartment with, with Trail, with his lifeless body, for two days. It's just living, just eating and sleeping and pooping and uh, how? We know that both men were alive on April 28th, 1997, as witnesses placed them in the apartment elevator. Witnesses would also place uh, the pair Madsen and Kunanen walking Madsen's dogs on April 29th, 1997. And on April 29th, one of Madsen's co-workers was a little concerned because Madsen hadn't been coming to work and it was kind of an abrupt, like, where the hell is he? He should be here. And so this co-worker went to visit the apartment and that is where the co-worker found Trail's body. But Madsen and Andrew Kunanen were nowhere to be found. And Madsen's co-worker, of course, reported this to police. Thank God. Now, at this point, Madsen and Kunanen, they're gone. Initially, police believed that Madsen had a part in this, right? The the body is found in his apartment. Like, what's going on? Now, David Madsen's family insisted that he was not involved, but at this point, he was a hostage to Andrew Kunanen. On May 2nd, 1997, Madsen and Kunanen were seen north of Minneapolis. Um, They were spotted driving Madsen's Jeep and eating lunch in a bar together. Like, they were spotted out and about. On May 3rd, 1997, David Matson was found. Oh, no. His body was on the east shore of Rush Lake in Minnesota. She was found with a gunshot wound to the head and back from a 40 caliber Taurus PT-100 semi-automatic pistol. This is the same pistol that Kunanen had stolen from Trail. He, he is gone. So this is now uh, Andrew Kunanen's second victim. So now... Andrew Kunanen, he's nowhere to be found. He is on the run. And on May 3rd, 1997, he would drive to Chicago. And here, Andrew Kunanen would kill 72-year-old Lee Miglin. Lee was a real estate developer. He was very prominent at the time in the area. And Andrew Kunanen had bound Miglin's hand and feet, wrapped his head in duct tape, and Kunanen would go on to stab Lee with a screwdriver more than 20 times before slitting Miglin, Miglin's throat with a hacksaw. Okay, can you just can you just do, like, one of them the same as the last one? What the hell is going on? You might be wondering, what did Miglin do to Kunanen, right? Like, what the hell? Why did he drive all the way to Chicago and kill this man that I am just barely introducing to you guys? That's a great question. Lee Miglin's family insists that the killing was random and there was no history between Kunanen and Miglin. Um, Authorities officially have said it was a crime of opportunity. So he just like met him and 
So some reports stated that um, Miglin was cleaning out his garage when Kunanen just took that opportunity. Like, I, I don't even understand. Now, others, um, FBI officials, some of them do agree with that, specifically FBI Greg McCary. He stated that it is unlikely that Kunanen would have bound and tortured Miglin without a motive. He's like, this doesn't make sense. This is so personal. I guess, like, it's hard. It's, it's hard for me to understand because why did he kill any of them? Like, what's what's going through this guy's head? Like, it's... I don't want to say it's like he just snapped because this feels a little planned. Um, maybe but not it, before, but after. It does feel like he just snapped. He's going pretty quick. Like, we're talking April 26th to May 3rd that he has now it's, killed three people. And it's like, what, like, a week and a half? Yeah, but you've got to remember there's a lot of driving, there's yeah. panic. So he does feel like he's snapped and he's just going on this killing spree at this point. At least for me. And you said and, Miglin was in Chicago? Yeah. He's driving? Yeah. Okay, so he starts in California. Uh, no, so he li- flew. He flew to Minnesota, though. And so then from Minnesota, he's driving. That's still a long way. Uh-huh. To just drive know. that distance and then just randomly pick a man working in his garage to kill him? And like I said, there are the people that are like, there had to have been something. And I don't know anything about Lee Miglin. I know very little. And the little I do know about Andrew, it makes me wonder, at like, was Lee Miglin one of these older wealthy gentlemen that uh, Kunanen would speak to often, whether we knew it or not? Or... Maybe Kunanen had tried to make advances on him and he was rejected. And that set him off. I I think I could kind of see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, no one knows what the motive is behind this. I would speculate that Andrew made advances thinking, oh, I'm hot shit, I'm going to get this guy, blah, 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 or whatever it might be, and he was rejected, and that just, he snapped. Andrew Kunanen, he would leave Lee's home and he would leave David Monson's car, like, just around the block or not far from Lee Miglin's home. And he would actually take Lee's Lexus. He's upgraded, right? Investiga- investigators would find that Lee's Lexus was actually equipped with a car phone. You know, like the OG car phones yeah. where it's the actual, there's a cord, you know. Yeah. And the phone records indicated that it was used on May 4th in Union County, Pennsylvania. This is around 9 to 10 hours away from Chicago, according to Google Maps. So we're right back to the long distances. Yeah. And police, they, I mean, they start monitoring as soon as they're like, okay, he's got this car. Um, They start monitoring the phone going forward just to give them an idea of where he may be. Because they really don't know at this point. The phone would again be used on May 8th in Philadelphia. It would be again used on May 9th near Penn's Grove and Carney's Point Township in New Jersey. Uh, tragedy would strike on May 9th in Pennsville Township, New Jersey. At the Finns Point National Cemetery, Kunanen would shoot and kill William Reese. Reese was the cemetery caretaker. He was about 45 years old at the time. And when Reese did not return home for dinner, his wife would go to the cemetery to check on him. When she arrived, she found his office door open and a radio playing, and she had this bad feeling, and she would go on to call police. Police would locate his body. No, she did not. I know that when I started reading that the first time, I was like, stop! 
Please I know don't. while you were saying it, like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was like, please don't, please don't see him. Please don't see him. Yeah. Please don't see him. Yeah. No, she, she did not. So police would locate his body and they would find that he had been shot. And eventually the gunshot or the ballistics would come back matching the bullet wounds from David Madsen as well. And again, this is the, this is the gun that he stole from trail. Like this, this isn't even his gun. They just know it's, you know, out and about in the world and someone is using it. So I know this is probably going to be a difficult question, um, <clears throat> but I assume at this point, since we're like in so many different states, the FBI is involved. Yes, they are. Um, so are the, are the, the, the police officers working with each other? Cause I know sometimes they like kind of butt heads department versus department. Are we at least kind of working together on this? Well, so I didn't get clarity. I know that Reese was eventually linked to Andrew Kuninen. I don't know that they knew initially because they had to match ballistics. So they knew they knew um, Jeff Trail and David. Those were both Minnesota. And then uh, Miglin, they were able to connect rather quickly because of the fact that uh, Madsen's car was in the area. Yeah. Um, they might have been able to connect pretty quickly because William Reese, he was collateral damage as far as Andrew Kuninen was concerned. He was likely killed for his 1995 red Chevy pickup truck, and that was it. I guarantee you, he would have just let you have it. I don't I know. promise you. If, yeah. he, if you were like, Give me your car and I'll let you go home to your wife. I guarantee you he'd let you have it. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure if all of these different locations are cooperating. I assume they are because the FBI is also gathering all this information. Um, I will say, though, that there were a lot of people that were like, the police kind of fucked up on this case. Like, they could have stopped a lot of this. But I also feel like it's very different like, they don't have the same tracking capabilities. Not everyone has a phone in their pocket. And clearly, Andrew Kuninen knew that the phone was being tracked, and that's why he was changing out the vehicle. Like, he was, um, like you were saying, it was hard back at, this is the, at the early 90s, like. 97, late 90s. No, this is, this is the time of car phones and beepers. And they, how are they supposed to know where this man's going? So I kind of feel you on that. Like, yeah, yeah maybe police kind of did like i know a lot of times when it's part of the lgbtq community especially back in the day maybe they didn't try as hard as they could have but in this situation i don't know how police track people nowadays much less back then right so and the fact that he's gone such a far distance like to me that's a that's a good jump you know <laughs> yeah like where uh, are you where are you even going like to me this feels random like he's just driving and like i don't even know where i'm going i'm panicked i'll just figure mm -hmm. it out as i go now up to this point at least three of the four murders seemed more personal so the first two were definitely personal that third one with the torture it seemed personal but this mm -hmm. one was literally just for a truck so kunanen would take reese's truck and he would head to florida so he's Turning around okay. and headed I'm, south. Oh, okay. We're just making arounds, I guess. He would make it to Florida by May 12th, and he would begin staying at the Normandy Plaza Hotel in Miami Beach. He was paying $29 per night in cash, 
And oftentimes people would say he would change his appearance. He was using different aliases. Like he was like, he was trying to evade detection, you know? Now on June 12th, Kunanan would make it to the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. And I believe he was the 449th person. But apparently my uh, numlock was not on when I typed that because that spot is just blank on my notes. <laughs> I hate when I have. Yeah. So he makes it to the FBI most wanted list. And it seems strange to some people that Kunanan was actually just basically hiding in plain sight. Like he is, he is in Florida partying, having a great time. Like he is in that gay community there. He's in the LGBTQ community in Florida and nothing. And some say that part of this was because there was a large part of this manhunt that had a big focus on Reese's stolen truck and people were just not identifying the stolen truck and not able to identify Kunanin. Um, That's at least how I understood them saying it is they put a lot of focus on the truck and maybe not as much on Andrew as they should have. But I also was not a part of that manhunt, so I don't know. I imagine it's easier to identify a truck than somebody who is at this point known for changing themselves at the drop of a hat, too. Right. Right. And Andrew was hidden for at least two months in Florida. Kunanan would even use his own name at a pawn shop on July 7th when he pawned stolen items. Like, this dude has no, he's like, I don't care. Okay, now, yeah, he's just ballsy. Well, here's the other thing is some people are like, oh, he was ballsy. He would have known he was at risk because police routinely check pawn shops. And I'm like, I wouldn't have known that. Like, I know I he's know real that. smart. I know he is really smart, but I, pff, police don't have to tell us they're checking pawn shop. Like, that makes sense to me. If you have a fugitive. Yeah, but until you just said that, it like, and I've heard of that. Like, oh, the police found this at the pawn shop. But it, I didn't know that was routine. Right? And I'm over here like, wait, what? That's routine? But, I mean, he even used his own name. So, like, he's he's hiding in plain sight. Now, on July 14th, 1997, Kunanin would check out of the hotel. He would, however, skip out on paying for his final night there. Shocking. And it's likely that he left due to being out of money. I mean, being on the run is expensive, you know? And at 8.45 a.m., a.m., at, at 8.45 a.m., a- M- Jesus Christ, let me get it out. At 8.45 a.m. on July 15, 1997, the then 50-year-old Gianni Versace was returning home from a walk to get some magazines for the day. Gianni Versace was shot on the front steps of his mansion in Miami Beach. He was shot once in the back of the head, once in the left cheek with the same pistol that was used on David Madsen and William Reese. After shooting Gianni Versace, a witness would pursue Andrew Andrew Kunanin, but they were not able to catch him. Gianni Versace was pronounced dead at the Jackson Memorial Hospital at 9.21 a.m. So this is the man that murdered Gianni Versace. And the... Picture that is labeled GV, that is Gianni Versace. That's why I labeled it that way. I didn't want you to catch on right away. I did not catch on until you started talking about him and what he was doing that more. Because I, 
I know this is a big shocker, but y'all, I'm not that into fashion. Sorry. I like to be comfortable. <laughs> and most of the time, I don't like to spend a lot of money on clothes. But I know his story. Holy crap. Yeah. So Versace, I mean, everyone knows Versace. Like, this is a luxury brand today. Yeah. And the man that started it, this is this this is how he died. And just to clarify, Versace, this was literally out of the blue for him. He typically was not the one to go to get the magazines in the morning. He would send someone else to do it. And on this day in particular, he decided he was going to. I'm flabbergasted. Yep. So glad I could do that for you. Now, responding officers, they would find William Reese's stolen vehicle in a nearby parking garage with Andrew Kuninen's belongings and clippings of newspaper reports from his previous murders. Go to hell. Andrew would evade police until July 23rd, 1997. Kuninen's body would be found in a houseboat in Miami Beach. The caretaker of the boat would report to police hearing a gunshot. He did not leave a suicide note, and only very few personal belongings of his were found. Andrew Kuninen had shot himself in the head with the stolen gun. Kuninen would be cremated and his ashes placed in a mausoleum at Holy Cross Cemetery in San Diego. Now you might ask, what's the motive for all of his crimes? It's very unclear. He, he, never, he never went to trial. He never said anything about it. He, he did the cowardly thing and took his own life. And even taken his own life. He did it in, I'm assuming, someone else's boat. Mm -hmm. Which is just another freaking victim in all mm -hmm. of this. Not to take away from the victims that are already here, but like you just he just shit on so many people. Oh yeah. For He's... for for what? Now a lot of articles will say like they'll speculate that this crime spree started due to him found finding out that he was HIV positive and kind of having a breakdown from there, realizing like the health effects. But an autopsy was would reveal that he was actually HIV negative. So false false report or false results, whatever it was, no one's sure. There's other people too, and they don't do this. So others theorize that this was Kuninen's attempt at fame. If he could kill a famous wealthy gay man like Versace, he surely would be recognized, right? That I think that has some what some steam behind it because. Yeah. He wanted to be like Versace when he claimed to have met him, which to me, the man sounds unhinged. So whether he really did or not at this point, I don't believe him if for no other reason than to insult him. But you wanted to be like him so much and you couldn't. So what's the next best thing? You want to be the person famous for killing him. Right. Now, I don't know what it is. I personally believe it was he was getting that that attention and that fame that he so desired. And I think that's part of the reason he continued to kill people because he realized like, oh, the focus is on me. Look at me. Look at me. Maybe I don't want to be caught, but the focus is on him. Now, just just so you're aware, in Kuninen's life, he never underwent any psychological evaluation that I could find. Though experts that have kind of examined his behaviors now believe he may have suffered from antisocial personality disorder. Again, to this day, we don't know what his reasoning, his motive for any of this is. Um, there are a lot of argu arguments on if he was considered a serial killer or a spree killer. 
I personally would call him a spree killer. I would agree with that. So <clears throat> that is the horrible, horrible person that um, in the course of three months took five lives. Um, one of which, not that it's any more important than others, but one of which was Versace. And that's my story for you. What a what a doo-doo stain on this earth. Well, he's not on this earth anymore. No, but he stained the earth. Oh, okay. Yes, he did. I'm not going to argue. But I take like back I, what I said. He's unattractive. <laughs> uh, when he was younger, he, he did have that nice smile. Like, he's not terrible, but personality matters. So, What's, he sucks. What is the absolute worst about all this is he really is unforgettable because of what he did. Mm-hmm. But, like, he, he was so smart. He could have accomplished so much more. And this is seemingly what he set out to do. This is what yeah. he wanted to do. Some people even tried to, like, point at his parents being like, oh, you're so special. You're better than everyone else. And you're going to have this great life. And I'm like, I'm sorry. My parents told me I was special, too. I mean, granted, they might have added needs at the end of that. But they told me I was special. Okay. Yeah. Plenty uh, of parents, like, dote on their kids and don't. The kids don't do this. Right. So, I mean, in the same breath, you can turn around and say like, oh, his dad left him. That's why he did it. No, it's not. He did this because he chose to do it. Right. Right. And he was an adult. Like, as far as I'm concerned, he was 19 years old when his dad left him. He should have had coping skills to -hmm. work through that trauma. Or found some. Right. Some other outlet. If, If that was drugs and men and booze if that was your outlet like okay but there's i it's still feel like he murder. made his own decisions yeah yeah it's not murder like i don't for the people that are like well his parents and the trauma and i'm like what i'm sorry he had a pretty great life like as far as i'm concerned i couldn't find anything that like evidence that he he witnessed his dad abusing his mom maybe verbally but i couldn't find anything that said physically it sounds like, like he had everything going for him. He had sports cars. He's going to college. Like, okay, yeah, his dad might have sold the house out from under him, but then he moved in with his best friend. And, and then I mean, he moved I in with a sugar daddy. Yeah. This is, this is, me over here, complete unprofessional, sounds like it's your own doing or your own undoing. Mm-hmm. I think it was his uh, claim at fame. That's I think that's the only way he could have done it. And then I think once he did it, he realized he could not fake face the consequences and he took his own life. Coward. Uh-huh. What a piece of crap. I yep. don't like him. And I do have pictures. They're all labeled except for Versace. He is labeled GV so that you didn't know right away because I didn't want you to know. Um, but they're all labeled. I mean... Who also has a really good smile in that picture. Maybe that's just a really good picture. But Jeffrey it just feels Trail? like a really genuine. Oh, no. Uh, oh, Versace. Versace, yeah. It feels just really yeah. genuine. But yeah, well, Jeffrey was... Trail also has a really good smile. I think that of David Matson too. He has a great smile. Mm-hmm. All these, this was just senseless and disgusting. Yeah. Yep. Didn't like any of it. But we can move on now if you would like to talk about something yeah, less horrifying. I really do. I'm not okay. Okay. <clears throat> um, I don't know about something less horrifying, though. Oh, God. So I went down a rabbit hole. Um, <clears throat> I did a lot of 
research some of these words i'm probably gonna say wrong and i apologize um is that the horrifying part is the words <laughs> no um so i'm gonna tell you about gin <gasps> oh the gin i love yeah. love gin yeah. we're gonna talk about uh, gin um i do want to i don't want to say i want to apologize but i'm gonna apologize for like any ignorance a lot of this does involve like the quran or muslim beliefs i did my best um and if i do say anything that's wrong i'm really sorry a lot of this was also in a different language and i really heavily relied on google translate i was gonna give you like some defense there and say before we started recording all i heard amanda doing was google how do you say (laughs) i really tried i was gonna have james like proofread it and be like hey tell me if this sounds okay like did did i do okay like describing this but then he had to be dumb and go to work so i'm on all dare he go to work loser i'm just kidding um okay so many cultures in the middle east and africa believe jinn are spirits and i have a couple of quick examples um so genie which is what we know jinn as over here in like the western world they are nothing alike but Genie comes from the Arabic word jinni or jinn is plural. And it's an evil spirit that can take human or animal form. And they are found in all living, pardon me, they are found in all non-living things, including Wait, fire and air. They're found in all non-living things? That's what I wrote. Okay. <laughs> um, but yes, they are also found in fire and air. They're said to have magical powers, and they were created by Allah from a smokeless fire. The most well-known story of the jinn in the Quran was a jinni named Iblis, and he refused to bow to Allah's creation, Adam, so he was banished to Jahannam, which is hell. And this is, Iblis is really similar to the Christian's idea of the devil. Many cultures believe that jinn are absolutely real most of what i read especially in muslim cultures they are they are just as real as me and you and they're pretty commonly mentioned in the quran too quran in ancient rome a genus or a genie plural referred to the spirit that watched over man and the genius is spelt genius i think it's genus it was with man from birth to death he stayed with him his entire life. And this genius was responsible for forming a man's character. And it also caused all actions that the person performed. The genie eventually became to be thought of as like a person's inborn abilities. So like Picasso was great at art. That was due to his genie that was with him. And while men had genie, women had Juno to accompany them through life. Some Romans also believed in an evil genius they now these evil genie they fought the good genius for control of a man's fate so it's like the little devil on the shoulder and the angel okay Mm -hmm. throughout the years as roman mythology changed and evolved genie were believed to be spirits that protected houses or even communities in early islam jinn existed in a world parallel to humans They were invisible, 
but they existed in the same tribes or communities that humans lived in. Some jinn accepted Islam and others didn't, just like humans. And jinn were said to be a reflection of humans. They had the same beliefs, the same concerns. So it was kind of like a mirror image from my understanding. So like my, would it be like that? My, what did you call the female version? Juno. My Juno would have like the same concerns as myself or just like in general? They would have, from my understanding, they would have the same concerns that people do. So okay. like. So it's not necessarily a reflection of me, even though they're my, my right. Juno. They're just, okay. Because mm-hmm. Juno was ancient Rome. We're in Islam right now. Early, very early Islam. So it's basically like parallel worlds. Uh, Jinn were also blamed for frustrations and temptations that humans faced on a daily basis. And these challenges were the work of unholy Jinn. So they're the ones that are going to lead you astray. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah. I I guess I could have just read a little farther. I could have waited, but I'm not that patient. Jinn usually represent great power. And it comes with devastating destruction if it's not properly controlled and that's why we see jinn or especially with us genie they're typically imprisoned in some kind of vessel rings lamps uh necklaces something like that wait did you say rings yeah rings i've never heard of a genie being imprisoned in a ring it's kind of like like i read a story and i think i left it in here uh (laughs) because y'all this was long and i took a lot out like um one of the stories that I have written down is about one that was imprisoned in a locket that a girl wore. Listen, maybe I'm just going off of like the genie notion. I think of a lamp or I think of Fable Haven. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but there is a gin imprisoned in a basement. Not I think for. I would take a basement to, for a lamp, though. Like, there's more dark, room. Dark basement, not. Oh, like serial killer basement? Well, Fablehaven isn't, like, serial killer. I'll have to talk talk to you about the book later. But if you guys have read Fablehaven, you guys know what I'm talking about. There's, like, a gin in a dark room in, like, a dungeon that is the basement of this house. But it's locked there for good reasons. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, rings, lamps, jars, just something, something like that. And they're sometimes depicted as impulsive or foolish. A la Genie from Aladdin, like one of arguably the most popular genie ever. God, I miss Robin Williams. Oh, God. Oh, my God. May he rest in peace forever and ever. Forever and ever. Regardless of them being like really foolish or really clever, they are powerhouses. They are like pretty much, it sounds like almost all powerful. Now, in the, in the Quran, if I remember correctly, they are less than angels. And they're less than demons as well. I believe demons are more powerful. But we're going to get into it here in a minute. They sound pretty damn powerful to me. I don't want one. Like, I might sage the house or something. What I'm hearing is that angels and demons are worse than jinns, and jinns are fucked up, so just don't mess with any of them. That was what I got (laughs) from this lesson, yes. Okay, 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 okay. Now, jinns are, they're shapeshifters. They can possess people or animals. There's also the fact that they can grant wishes, but only to those worthy of the wishes. That's like a a really powerful caveat there. Wait, how do you become worthy of the wishes? 
The djinn has to deem you worthy. So you got to get on the djinn's good side. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how you do that and how you know what's a good djinn and what's a bad djinn, I do not know. So don't ask me that, please, because I could not find that answer. Could you tell me how you know which one's a good djinn and which one's a bad djinn? I would suggest um, asking <laughs> Google. Or okay. d- don't, actually, because it didn't give me much help there. Um, I'll ask Bing and see what happens. I'll ask Jeeves yeah. instead. Oh, I miss Ask Jeeves. Did we just age ourselves? Probably. We absolutely did. But if you know, you know. Ask yeah. Jeeves was where to go. <laughs> oh my god, bring him back. That's the that's the, the motto right there. Bring him back. If you know, you know. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> that's where you go. Uh, unjust or unworthy people often have their wishes granted, but with a twist. Most often this twist was a consequence. Or... The genie would grant the wish over literally. Yep, I I know what you're talking about. Careful what you wish for type things. Mm-hmm. So, Bryce, how do you know if you're being attacked by a djinn? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess not great things are happening. Uh, <laughs> That's a great guess. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm hoping it's accurate. Oh, I also want to apologize too because I'm obviously gonna say the word djinn a lot, and some people do believe that that will call one to you. So maybe just skip ahead. And also, don't even look at me like that because you personally attacked my ulcerative colitis with that doll, okay? So. I think I've done it multiple times. (laughs) I was going to say, is this payback? Maybe, yeah. Okay. (laughs) How do you know if you're being attacked by Jen? So you get headaches and these headaches will not go away regardless of hydration, Tylenol, sleep. If this headache just will not go away, you probably got yourself a gin. Did you summon a gin to me before we started recording? Because I've had a headache all day long. Uh, no, because I would not do that. But it's possible. And we're going to do that later, too. So it, feel, it can also feel like there's something heavy on your head, but there's nothing there. Uh, not being able to concentrate or bring yourself to just power through and finish a task. A feeling that things are walking on your head, but the doctor says you're fine and there's no reason for you to be feeling this way. That's a gin. I guess he's just tap dancing up there. We just need to add the gin to the medical dictionary of diagnosis, diagnoses. I really don't know why we haven't. I don't understand this. This is ridiculous. Yeah, you've got a gin. Do some cocaine about it. Oh, that's how you get rid of them? No, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just went back to the 70s for a second. Uh, Praying about the issue makes it worse. You hear whispers when nobody is there. But these whispers, they're saying your name. They're telling you to do things. And sometimes the voices are so powerful, they'll make you dizzy or nauseous. Oh, wait. How does a voice make you dizzy or nauseous? Uh, Because gin. Okay. If you see people talking to themselves... Or people that aren't there, they're being attacked by a djinn who is only allowing itself to be seen by that person and no one else. Also, probably keep your distance because djinn can transfer from person to person. I see what you're doing today. Okay. Now, when they possess you, because this is just being attacked. When they possess you, you get headaches. You're irritable. You can, you're confused. It feels like ants or insects are crawling through your body. You're itchy. You lose your appetite. 
And if you're like, I haven't ate anything like all day, I need to make myself eat, you puke it up. You're always angry. You curse, which I would if I couldn't eat. I mean, that's okay. First of all, is that even the gin or is that just the fact that you're fucking hungry? You're hangry at that point. I'm going to curse if I'm hangry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if that's the gin. I think that's just like another symptom. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, you hate everybody to the point of self-isolation, which is giving this gin exactly what it wants. I hate everyone to the point of self-isolation to a point. No, you've got Cody. You're good. They will drive you away from your friends, family, lovers. They will drive. Some of them drive people away from you. Some of them drive you away from people. Okay, 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 okay. So as long as I've got Cody, what about like the dogs? Do they count? Well, I don't know because Jen can shapeshift into dogs or other animals. Maisie, are you a Jen? She just rolled her eyes at me like I'm an idiot. Oh, yeah. That's, that's total gin <laughs> behavior. I think she more rolled her eyes at me because I interrupted her <laughs> bottle chewing time for nothing. No treat, nothing. So I told you, like, a lot of this gin business, it comes with headaches. And me, most of the time, if I have a headache, <laughs> me, before I had a child, if I have a headache, I'm going to try to go to sleep because that's really one of the only ways I can get rid of them. Jen can attack you in your sleep. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sweet. They keep you awake throughout the night. And as you lay there awake, unable to sleep, you can feel someone is in your room, even if you don't see anybody. Or you see shadows in your room. While you're asleep, it feels like somebody is on top of you. Sometimes it feels like someone's choking you. And sometimes it feels like you are chained down and unable to move in your dreams, which is the worst form of sleep paralysis because it's, it's not even sleep paralysis. This is in your dream. You can't move. This so is shit. Like, it is. Maisie's meeting all of that criteria right now. She steps on me in the middle of the night. She makes noise, but I can't see her because it's too dark. She creates shadows. There's always a presence there. Jesus Christ, Maisie. I'm going to need you to uh, come to an agreement with me. I'll give you more treats. Are you making a deal with a gin? I'm making a deal with a Maisie. Okay. So you also might be attacked in your sleep if you feel tired or weak when you wake up. Like you have just worked all night long. You dream of dead people or you go places in your dreams that you've never been or you've never even considered going. Dream of dead people. Is this like zombies skeletons or like people you know who have passed like am i dreaming of albert einstein or what's happening it was unclear that was one of those google translate things so sorry i can't help you so to our listeners if you start dreaming about albert einstein tonight it's probably a gin so just go ahead and ask him why e equals mc squared what squared squared okay look a A (laughs) am Or whatever you said. I said it like six times wrong. A mm, or whatever I said. (laughs) My phone's going insane all of a sudden. Look, we're struggling, okay? But we're here. We're here. It's because Amanda's making us record later in the day now, which is fine. Yes, 9.04 right now, y'all. It's normally like we're going to bed. 
for yeah. well for Amanda. Oh, oh, when we get done, I am immediately going to bed because she is asleep and I want to take advantage. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So types of gin. This is where y'all I'm going to do my best. Okay. We've got the Sela gin. They know when you're going to pray and they run away from you just in time. So you can't pray them away. And they come back when you're done praying. They come back stronger and more violent. Wait, I thought you couldn't pray. It would make them more aggressive. This is one of those. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. But I'll get into that more too later on. When you do chase away for good or exercise a gin, you have to, you got to do it right. You got to know what you're doing. This isn't, this isn't amateur hour. Get your shit together. Yes. And you better have the correct authorities with you. Absolutely. You are, you're dead ringing it here. Yeah. Okay. okay. Nail on the head. Can't be cheapo artifacts either while you're praying them away or whatever. You got to get the high quality exorcism items. Just have the Quran in your hands and read directly from it. Deal. They'll play with your mind or cause you pain to stop the prayers. And they'll whisper in your ears to confuse and isolate you. There's also the Al Caboose Gin. Al Caboose Gin. We're here on our, uh, on our uh, booze cruise with Al Caboose. Oh, this is not, that is not a cruise I will be going on. <laughs> The Al Kaboos gin is the most common, the most aggressive. It likes to attack people in their sleep. And what it does is it paralyzes you. It has the power to make you think you're in a different place than you actually are. It causes nightmares. It makes you feel like you're suffocating. And it does all this by draining your soul and your spirit. It's kind of a dick move, don't you think? I believe so, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? You're already messing with me. Can you please leave me my soul and or my spirit? Like, leave one of them. Yeah, like, you're going to get both? That's kind of rude. That's real rude. That, leave me with one. That is so selfish of you guys to just take everything. <laughs> Speaking of taking everything, we also have the Marid Jin, And it likes to break things, whether you are at home or work. You just hear things breaking all the time. It's this gin. He's just breaking your shit. Does chewing on things count as breaking my shit? Um, do you ever wake up with scratches or the inability to walk? Mm, not the inability to walk, but the desire to walk? Nah. You might have yourself a marid. I don't wake up with scratches. Oh, okay. You might be okay. okay. It's just a, a laying in bed, I don't want to get up type of inability to walk. It's a mental thing. I thought that was just living. It is. That's why oh. I'm saying it's all a mental thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's not It's not like I can't move my legs. I always prove. So, side story. Well, you know how, like, you'll pop your back or crack your back every now and then, and that pop is always real loud? Oh, yeah. Um, every now and then when I do, Cody will be like, gee, can you walk after that? And I have taken a new stance. I shouldn't say new. I've been doing this for a while. Where I just kick my feet rapidly and be like, yep, I'm good. Those are the good ones when they pop so loud. It sounds like it hasn't popped in three years. I had one right before we started recording and I was like, damn, I bet it would have caught on the microphone. Oh my God. It sounds, it's now I'm going to start popping everything. Nope. Nothing's wanting to pop. It's right in here. 
Uh, so the Marid Jinn, it also causes severe pain when you're praying, so it fights back. It causes you to wake up weaker and weaker every day. Like, it's just slowly chipping away at you. And it's said to be the strongest of all Jinn, but it's also very easily controlled because it's not the smartest. So this is your brawn and not your brains. Okay, why? Okay, this is unfair. Why is the strongest? Well, I guess maybe not. The strongest is the most common, but you don't want the smartest. Okay, never mind. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I, I talked myself through that. Well, I'm actually glad you asked because I do have written down here that I said that this can is easily controlled. It can be caught and or controlled. And from what I understand, people tend to like catching and controlling this gin because it's violent and reckless when it's attacking. It's easily scared away when the victim starts praying, but its attacks are just quick and brutal. Do you think? Like, people with chronic migraines are maybe being attacked by gin. Absolutely. Okay. I well, do now. Now I, know. Uh, now I know Cody's migraines are gin attacks, and that's what I'm calling them from now on. Mm -hmm. So there's the Nusnus gin. Nusnus. And it is half gin and half human. It's the weakest of all the gin, but it's considered one of the most dangerous because it just never gives up. It is determined. It is like, it's, I am a gin. I am not half human, Dan. Yes. I have not shit to prove. I'm a gin and I will prove myself. It moves really fast. It has animal-like feet. And a lot of times I read about gins having hooves instead of feet. So I'm assuming the Nusnus -nus is that gin. They scare easily. So they like to attack their victims when they're either sleeping or they are completely alone. So this one is the smart gin. This one's like that. I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to wait and be patient and take advantage of when I need to. It sounds like it. Um, because they're also known for destroying businesses by stealing money or jewelry or other valuables. So if you're having, basically, if people are having trouble in life, it can all be traced back to a gin. That's and what happened with Modesto in my story. He was being attacked by a jinn. Embezzlement. It all comes together. It all makes sense. I, mm -hmm. We're so sorry, Modesto. He was possessed by a nusnus. A nusnus. I'm sorry. So there's also the Ifrit jinn. And the Ifrit does not possess people, but it will attack you whenever. It don't give a heck. They don't care if you are asleep, awake. They're coming for you. They make you see things, hear things, and feel things that are not there. It makes you feel like you're going crazy. And this is one of those clever ones. This one will isolate you by chasing your family, friends, and lovers away, like I mentioned earlier. And one of the ways they do that is they will hide things between two family members. So if you have a brother and a sister, they'll have the brother, for example, steal quote-unquote something from the sister and hide it and they will make those two family members fight and just hate each other until they drive everyone away from you they leave when you start praying but they immediately return when you're done and to get rid of this gen you have to really have someone who knows what the heck they're doing like this is not one of those I googled it and it says to read this passage or this prayer from the Quran. I'm going to give it a shot. No, you better get someone that knows. Get a professional. This is Yes. This is one this is not a DIY project. 
Oh, no, not at all. This is, you're going to need a straight up carpenter. I was going to say shaman, but I don't think that's the right terminology. I did see that. I know. I don't know if it's right, but I did see that term used. You're going to need something like a shaman, but the Islamic version? You are going to need the jinn hunters of, yes, I was going to say the Zach Baggins of jinn. Don't. He's going to think he is the, the jinn master. Oh my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> I would not be near him. No. He's probably got 30 jinn just hanging out with him right now. They're in all of those rings on his fingers. Oh my God. He's probably putting multiple in each ring. Oh, that just feels crowded. Make some space. Jerry's coming in next. Gary? <laughs> the worst gin name. <laughs> I didn't say Gary. I said Jerry, but I'll accept either. All right. So the last gin, not, not by far the last of them, because there are, from my understanding, way more than I have right here. These are just the few that I could get some info on. We have the ghoul. A ghoul? That's not mm-hmm. a gin. That's a ghoul. Oh, no, they are a gin. They are shapeshifters. And they travel in pairs. It's rare to find just one, but apparently not impossible. They speak any language. Ghoulish. They speak ghoulish. They feed on blood, which feels very ghoulish. That's uh, that's vampire-esque. Please stick in your, like, keep with your own genre, okay? They also confuse the victim by appearing to them in any form. Cat, dog, human, tree, whatever. It doesn't matter. They will appear to you in any way. Do these like just pop up and like out of nowhere type things? So like when I'm walking and all of a sudden, bam, I hit a pole, it's probably a gin. It could be if the gin's living in that area. Yeah. You're just in their territory accidentally and they're just like. They're like, get off of your damn phone. Yeah. Like this broad thinks she's just going to tripe through my courtyard no telephone pole right in your face Boom, bam mm-hmm. done okay so ghouls will also scratch or burn victims it said that they make them feel hot like they're burning and they'll call your name or tell you things to make you believe them just to mess with your head okay so i kind of touched on this earlier jen can be chased away by repeating prayers or specific passages from the quran but you have to know which jinn is attacking you and which prayer to use in order to exercise it. So from my understanding, specific prayers go or work for specific jinns. So what if I just figure out all of the prayers and then I just start repeating all of the passages until they're gone? Well, some of them, if you get the wrong, if you get the right one, that might work. But if you get the wrong one and that prayer doesn't work, it's just going to make your life hell until you get the, lo- the right prayer. Because that prayer doesn't work, so they're just going to keep attacking you. Hey, but if I just do them all right in a row. I don't know, but I'd feel like it's not going to work. Okay, well, I wouldn't I'd recommend try. it. From what I read, you need to get either, some people said a shaman, some people said a scholar. And it's people that are very learned in this area. They know the jinn, they can tell which jinn it is, and they know exactly which prayer. So you need a jinn spurt. Yes. Do we know of any jinn spurts? I don't know of any. I read of one. I mean, they sounded like one. 
and they have, I think it's a kick that you could message them if they're being attacked by one. Okay. We're both messaging them tonight. Amanda yeah. told us about Jen, so now we're both being attacked because she's a dick. But it was payback on Bryce for doing that multiple times. It's fine. Yeah, multiple times. <laughs> so sometimes the djinn have to be caught instead of chased away. And if somebody is a... Is what? If somebody is controlling a djinn, they have to be caught because otherwise they'll just keep coming back until they fulfill their purpose, whatever that is, whatever that person is sending them to do. and. Jin can be captured. This is something that when I tried to research how to do this, most people are like, don't do that. And I was like, okay, I'm not, but I want to know how. So I found three different ways. One of them said that Jin can be captured by enlisting the help of stronger Jins. And this just sounds like a really bad plan to me, but hey, I'm new here. I'm a self-study. So what do I really know? Spoiler alert, not much. Yeah, but common sense. That's how I feel about this. Yes. That's like, like Christians don't go to demons and ask a demon for help controlling a demon. What? Angels, God, other people. Yeah, no, that's not even true. They don't even ask to control. They, not that I'm aware of. They ask to banish. Yeah. So this, this, this is already like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm out. I'm done. Bye. So you can make a pact or a contract by using rituals and giving sacrifices, human or animal, your choice, I guess. One specific way, well, actually two specific ways I heard was by sitting inside a salt circle in a graveyard at night, reciting specific passages from the Quran for 40 days. Like you just go there every night and just sit and recite these? Yeah, you clock out of work, you go to the graveyard, you make your salt circle, and you just recite these passages. Can you tag team this? No. No, because you have to be alone. Well, I'm just thinking, could you do one night and I do another so that we can at least get some sleep? Nope. Oh, hell no. Not happening in my life. I don't want to control it. Banish it. Yeah, I don't want it near me. I don't want, I don't want, no. Another one. Oh, crap. I forgot to, I forgot to look up the pronunciation here. But another one is if you recite the sur- Surah Jinn backwards and write it backwards at 1 a.m. till 5 a.m. And that's a, a specific passage from the Quran. I'm not sure which one, but I'm sorry because I'm pretty sure I said that wrong. I, okay, I'm just questioning the 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Because that just seems like a really long time to go and write a passage. Like, why am I being punished? Backwards at that. And you not just write it, you have to say it and write it backwards. That's a lot to do from 1 to 5 a.m. I mean, I guess if I'm writing it backwards, I'm probably going to say it anyways, because I've got to be like writing arrow out. First of all, I got to keep myself awake. Yeah, but then I've yeah. got to write it out backwards. I'll probably say it as I write. I, I mean, I'll have to if I'm doing it backwards. I can't even do the ABCs backwards. I can't either, so. Now, from what I read and understood, capturing a gin is probably... The dumbest, the absolute dumbest, and I think also one of the most blasphemous things that you can do, um, because they are only to be controlled by Allah, and Allah gave authority to the prophet Suleiman and nobody else. Um, They're also probably going to be pissed that you are enslaving them to do your bidding. 
I just want them to stop bugging me. Yeah. No. Um, and so now I have some, I kept trying to write Gentails, D-J-I-N-N, and it kept, cor- it auto-corrected it to dinner tales. So now I have some dinner tales. Well, so that we can discuss these at the dinner table going forward. Yes. Oh, um, okay. I did keep the, the locket story. It's my first one. I, okay. I was just about to actually ask, what if, let's say someone has a gin trapped in like a locket. Let, let's mm-hmm. just use that. And they gift you the locket. Mm-hmm. Is the gin going to still be mad at you even though you're ignorant and you don't know anything about it? That's a good question. Um, it might not do, it might not do much of anything um, if you're ignorant. But I think that would also depend on the gin that you're dealing with. If it's one that's just pissed off because it's pissed off, I think it's going to be pissed off. What if you like give away a locket? Are you still going to be? I, I guess my thing is, is like, I don't want any bad mojo. And if I get something from someone else and I give it to someone else, am I passing along bad mojo? And what if I destroy the vessel that they're trapped in? Are they freed or are they destroyed? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you this story. So um, this is a story that I read. And this person happened to be at a boarding school when this happened. And one girl was bullying another girl and broke her necklace. And as soon as the chain split, the girl spoke to the bully with a male voice and her body started contorting in really weird, strange ways. The girl told the bully that she was a djinn and had traveled from a faraway place. The bully's tongue started swelling almost to the point of choking her. I don't know, because it was for some reason not said, how all this got calmed down, but they called the girl's parents. And they apparently knew because they had visited a shaman to get the locket to hold the gin inside their daughter and kind of keep it contained. Inside of their daughter? Excuse me. From my understanding, like, she was possessed Possessed? by it. Yeah. And maybe they could, or it was following her, either or. So they got that locket to keep it at bay. But when the chain broke, it was released and all hell broke loose. And the gin was taking out a finger on the bully. That's what it seems like, yeah. Which you to, know, to answer your question, back. that's what I'm thinking. To answer your question from earlier, it seems like she released it, so it should be like, oh, thank you. I'm gonna make your tongue smaller. But no, he was pissed. Unless I guess it kind of could have been a good gin too, and it was like you are messing with my girl here. Or maybe that gin took her bullying personal too, though, because it. Let's just say it's trapped in the the child's body and it's seeing and feeling everything that the little kid is going through. Yeah. And it come out and it's like, you thought you thought, watch this boy. What a way to teach a bully a lesson. (laughs) So another story told of this married couple and the husband's job required him to take long trips outside of their village. Well, his wife was, I mean, she was lonely. That makes sense. She's living by herself, but she made friends with a man that would sit on her courtyard wall with his back to her. And the only time she saw his face is when he would turn to look at her to answer a question or to talk to her. And regardless of this, they had like a really sweet platonic, but a really sweet friendship with each other. Let's not be befriending Humpty Dumpty here, okay? Well, definitely not Humpty Dumpty. Um... 
one night, this woman, she asked him and his wife over for tea, and he was so excited. Instead of getting down and using the door to the courtyard, he took his leg and stretched it 10 feet down the wall to the ground on her side of the courtyard. And he asked the woman, why didn't you offer me tea before? I'd love to come and have chai with you. Because I had a feeling that your legs were going to stretch 10 feet down to the floor. Mm-hmm. I'm also married by. Yeah. I said you and your wife, sir. So you get your long legs on somewhere. Oof, that one's eerie. Uh, this one takes place in Egypt. A man claimed to be seeing a woman who would appear to him at nighttime and they would sleep together. Bell chicka bow well. Less gin, more incubus succubus. Um, well, she was a gin. She was a gin woman and she considered this man her husband. Oh. And she took over his entire life. He was distracted during prayer. He often felt physically drained. He lost a ton of weight and this gin woman followed him everywhere. So eventually, the man's mother took him to a medium that exercised this gin. And soon after this, his life just completely turned around. It began to improve. He gained his weight back. He returned to his... He returned. Returned? <laughs> he returned to his normal self. And he eventually went on to have a wife, an actual wife, and children, and live better days. That little Miss Jen over here is not thrilled that he is cheating on her. See, that's another thing I wonder is like when you exercise a djinn or even like a demon, when you exercise anything, where do they go? They're not gone, gone. Like, I think I saw one, maybe two people who was like, you kill a djinn, like you don't kill them. From my understanding, you just, you just shoo them away. Shoo, shoo to the, your next victim. Yeah. You just get the broom and just kind of like shoo them like a stray cat. Yeah. Okay. So this is a story about a woman who took a trip to the Atlas Mountains in Morocco, where apparently djinn are known to live, so won't be going there. Not going there. One night she woke up and she saw a human-esque figure standing at the foot of her bed. This one just gives me the goosebumps. The creature resembled a woman with long black hair and a white dress. The woman in bed stayed still because she was afraid that someone had broken in. And the Understandably. Figure, yeah, that would be my first thought. The figure didn't move either. So finally, the woman moved. And when she did, the figure approached the bed. So this woman, the lady in bed, is now, like, obviously terrified. So she just shut her eyes and recited a prayer in which Muslims declare that there is no God but God and Muhammad is the messenger of God. This had a specific name. I don't know what the name of that is. But after reciting this prayer, she opened her eyes and the figure had just disappeared. The last one I have for you is about a grandmother, this little old lady. She's on her deathbed when a cat starts appearing in the home. And the cat would appear, like, even when all the doors and windows were shut and locked, the cat still somehow got in the house. This was not her cat. They don't know whose cat this was. And it was dirty. It was mangy. It had this really bad smell that it brought with it. But the family realized that whenever somebody recited a holy verse from the Quran, the cat just vanished. 
And even after the grandmother passed away, the cat would still appear every now and then. And when it did, everybody in the house got sick. And um, those, uh, those are gin. Oh, um, this one was really unsettling for me. Listen, I don't like it because I got my karma and I don't really enjoy when karma bites me in the ass, right? Yeah, this was like really because this is this is real. It's really I don't like it. I don't like it at all. When you say this is real, are you talking about because like the Quran and Yes, to like Yeah, there's a lot of stories online. Like you can literally just Google like real life gin stories and especially people in the middle east is what i read most commonly like everybody has a story about a gin everybody every family everybody has a story about one they are absolutely real i'm hoping hoping they're mostly in the middle east i really just want the genie from aladdin yes we just really want robin williams mm-hmm. rest mm-hmm. in peace yeah Though I will say Will Smith didn't did a good job on the remake, but it's still not a Robin Williams. Yeah, like I did like the remake. I did like the new Aladdin, but it's I mean, nobody can do Robin Williams. Like, that would be like someone trying to redo Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, don't you dare. You're gonna give people ideas, don't it? Don't do it. Yeah. Though so, you know are, what? Um... People did remake uh Jumanji and it was acceptable. I haven't watched it. Like the original or the remakes? The, oh, the remake. The original. Oh my god, I've watched that so many times. You haven't seen the remake with uh, The Rock? And what's his face? Something black? Maybe I ha- Oh, the Oh, 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 the little guy. Kevin Hart? Well, Kevin Hart, yeah, but it's some the oh, Jack other Black. Guy. Jack Black, that's his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think I have seen that, actually. Okay, okay. I, I didn't remember it until you said The Rock. The Rock? He's awesome. Mm. Can you smell what he's cooking? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I did throw two pictures of Jin uh, up there. I don't know if you saw them. I just threw them up. Yeah. I vomited them into the drive. Okay, so those pictures, the second one is a little bit terrifying. Yeah, it really is. The first one's scary just because, like, oh, it's an old man with long fingernails and toenails. Why did they exaggerate his toenails like that? I don't. They, maybe they just didn't know how to draw the feet. How do you not know how to draw feet? You can look at them. I say can that not being able feet? to draw anything. <laughs> no, I could not draw anything to save my life. I'm decent at stick people. I can nail something if I'm going to trace it. Well, I got that Sasquatch on my own. Thank you. I figured yeah. that out. That was a good Sasquatch. But when it comes to feet, bye. <laughs> And also in the second one, one of these figures, it's like toe is like this long. It feels like it's that long. It's the second one where it's got like, so the second from the left. And when you look at his toes, like there's one nub and then like the rest are long. Look at the red guy's toes. Like I was ignoring his toes. Okay. So Jen toes make me uncomfortable. (laughs) And these are toes even. They don't even have hooves. I didn't get any with hooves. But like any human with a hoof, I'm not okay with it. It's either a djinn or a demon. And I'm okay with neither. What if it's a centaur? I'm not okay with them either. Because like, how? Like, how, how does your anatomy even work, bro? Do you really want to know? 
I would love to know. I would love to know the anatomy of a centaur. Okay. We'll do an anatomy mm-hmm. lesson on centaurs one day. Okay. That would I'm be just great. Kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell, Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.